Welcome to the Retirement Guide Podcast. I'm your host, George Jameson, owner of Capital Wealth Group, a flat fee-only advisory firm. Whether you're nearing retirement or already retired, join me each week as we explore the world of retirement planning and equip you with the knowledge and tools you need for a successful retirement. So let's get started. Today, we're diving into the crucial but often overlooked topic, how to withdraw your hard-earned savings once you stop working. When it comes to investing in retirement planning, many people often spend a lot of time thinking about the best way to increase their savings and investments. But little thought goes into the best way to withdraw those savings when the time comes. Of course, everyone's situation is unique, and a retirement income strategy should account for such differences, but general principles still apply. So rule number one, know your numbers. This starts with a realistic budget. How much can you spend? What type of lifestyle can you afford? And how much have you saved? Be honest with yourself. Facing reality early on is key. In retirement, you may not earn a paycheck from working, but you'll still receive income from your investments, as well as Social Security, maybe a pension, possibly an income annuity, and potentially other sources. Some of your expenses will be for essentials, such as housing, cars, food, and utilities, while others will be more discretionary, such as vacations, charitable donations, and gifts to your grandkids. And rule number two, prioritize predictable income for essentials. I generally recommend covering most of your essentials with predictable sources of income. Those include Social Security, pension payments, annuity payments, interest income from bonds, or even cash or short-term bonds kept in reserve. For most retirees who do not have all of their essential expenses covered from Social Security, pensions, annuities, or some other predictable sources, I suggest setting aside between one to two years of essential expenses in safe assets like money market funds or short-term government bonds. And rule number three, tap into growth assets for fun stuff. Then pay for any discretionary expenses by tapping growth assets or less predictable income sources from your portfolio. Stock dividends, distributions from mutual funds or exchange-traded funds, and proceeds from selling investments. These are not guaranteed compared to Social Security or a bond coupon payment. What's the advantage of this approach? In short, if you know an expense is coming due, you may not want to rely on volatile assets whose prices could drop right when you need to sell them. You'll end up having to sell more of them to raise a set amount of cash. And by selling more, you'll hurt your portfolio's ability to bounce back should the market recover later. Rule number three, rebalancing is your friend. Think of it as a portfolio tune-up. As markets fluctuate, you might need to sell some high-flying assets and buy back underdogs to make your ideal mix. Periodically rebalance in your portfolio by selling assets that have risen in value while buying those that have lagged is a key part of maintaining a strategic asset allocation geared towards your goals and preferences. But rebalancing isn't just about portfolio maintenance. It's also an opportunity to generate cash flow. And here's how that might work. Consider this very simple hypothetical example. A 73-year-old investor with a million-dollar portfolio 
in a target allocation of 60% stocks, 35% bonds, and 5% cash investments. After a bad run in the market, the stock portion of his portfolio is down 120000 which is down 20%. The bond and cash portion remain the same for simplicity. At this same time, the investor needs to withdraw $35,000 from his investment portfolio for yearly expenses in addition to his Social Security. To figure out what to sell to meet his cash needs, this is what he should do. His current portfolio balance went from $1 million to $880,000. The stock portion went from $600,000 to $480,000. And then his bond portion stayed the same at $350,000. And same with the cash, it stayed the same at $50,000. So his new current portfolio balance, again, is $880,000 due to the 20% reduction in the stock portfolio. However, he also needs 35000 in cash, so his new portfolio balance will be 880000 minus 35000 which is $845,000. Now that we know his portfolio balance will be 845000 use his new portfolio balance and the same target allocation percentages to determine his target dollar amounts for stocks, bonds, and cash investments. As you can guess, our hypothetical investor actually needs to buy more stocks, most likely at lower prices, which should work in his favor should the market turn around. His new portfolio target balance will be 845000 times 60% for stocks equals 507000 in stocks. If you do the same thing for the bonds, it's 845,000 times 35% gets you 295,750 for bonds. Same with the cash, 845,000 times 5% cash equivalents is 42,250. So the next step, we will take the target amounts, 507,000, 295,750, and 42,250 and compare it to the current amount minus the cash withdrawal. So the current amount in stocks is 480000 So you take 507 minus 480000 gets you 27000 So you'll need to add 27000 to the stock portfolio. On the bond side, the target amount is only 295750 but the current amount shows 350000 So you will sell 54250 in bonds to get to the 295750 And then with cash, you would sell 7750 to get to the 42250 target. And once you do this, this will free up 35000 in cash withdrawals. But please remember, this example is hypothetical and provided for illustrative purposes only. I will also attach the script with these numbers, which may make it a little easier to understand. In rule number five, be tax savvy. What if you have to sell assets to cover your expenses? You'll need to decide which accounts to tap first, whether it be your taxable account, your IRAs, Roth IRAs, and so on. 
and in what proportion. So here are some guidelines. If you haven't yet reached age 73, when you must begin taking required minimum distributions from traditional IRAs and 401ks, consider tapping your taxable brokerage accounts first. This will give your tax-deferred assets more time to grow until RMDs kick in. While you should consider leaving your Roth IRA assets untouched, these aren't subject to RMDs and could remain invested indefinitely during your lifetime. And your heirs will not have to pay taxes either. If it makes sense for you to first take distributions from your taxable account, you should first part with investments that have lost value. Your losses can be used to offset any gains you may realize, a strategy known as tax loss harvesting. And if you don't realize any capital gains, you can use those losses to offset up to $3,000 of your ordinary income per year until all your losses have been used up. And next, focus on selling investments you've held for more than a year. Take advantage of lower long-term capital gains tax rates. You can sell these appreciated investments as part of your regular portfolio rebalancing, using whatever is necessary to meet your spending needs and reinvesting the remainder in underweight areas of your portfolio. However, this may not be the best option for everyone. For example, if you have a very large tax-deferred account and you are concerned about the tax hit that could come when your RMDs kick in at age 73, it may make sense to start drawing down your tax-deferred accounts first or a combination of your tax-deferred accounts and your taxable savings at the same time. To really help make a more accurate decision, I highly recommend using some type of retirement planning software to help answer these questions in more detail. You may also want to talk with a fee-only financial advisor or a tax professional to time your retirement income distributions wisely. Funding your retirement with a strategic distribution plan is very important and can save you a lot of money in taxes over the years. Keep these points in mind as you structure your retirement portfolio and create your own distribution plan. And be sure to watch for changes in your spending or income to ensure that your expectations are on track. In a prolonged down market, for example, you may want to curb or postpone discretionary spending to avoid drawing down your portfolio too quickly. Creating an income during retirement might seem overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. The three simple steps, starting with a spending plan, invest in a balanced portfolio, and then distributing income from a variety of sources, can help you simplify the process and lay down the groundwork for a successful and stress-free retirement. That wraps up today's episode. Hope everyone has a great day and happy holiday. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Retirement Guide. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a five-star review to help others discover the show. For questions, ideas, or discuss your retirement plan, reach out to me, George Jameson, at Capital Wealth Group. Visit our website at capitalwealthplan.com to learn more. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more insightful retirement planning in future episodes. And now for the disclaimer. The information discussed in this podcast is for general explanations and education only. It is not tax, legal, or investment advice. Before considering acting on any information heard here, first consult with your tax, legal, or investment advisor. Thank you and have a great day.